For some women, the dream is to be a wife and a mother living in the perfect home with a loving husband and family. For the subject of our story, her dream came true, but was taken away from her just as quickly. The investigation into her disappearance began, but instead of her family finding their missing loved one, they find much more than they ever imagined. I'm going to tell you the story of the murder of Paige Bergfeld. Mental illness is running rampant in the United States and around the world these days, wouldn't you say? Yes. And it appears that nothing can really be done about it, unfortunately. It is indeed sad when you hear about the mentally ill homeless population or a tragic suicide as a result of it. But when mental illness leads to the murder of innocent children, it strikes a different chord. This week, I'm going to tell you a very recent story. I'm talking like a couple days recent about a man who murdered his two children because of his belief in a conspiracy group and his own battles with mental illness. From time to time, during the How Did We Miss That podcast, we may talk about details of crimes that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is highly advised. we miss that? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of How Did We Miss That? I'm Christine. And I'm John. I'm excited for your story. You're like, your worlds are colliding. My worlds are colliding. And this is, as they say in your dork circles, ripped from the headlines. I love it. Like, literally, I went to the paper and ripped it. Ripped it out? Ripped it right out. We don't get the paper. Well, come on. Wait. (laughs) Have you heard of improv? Sorry. Google it. Will I you? apologize. All right. All I'll right. shut up now. You go ahead. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you a very interesting story that I had no idea about, obviously. Otherwise, it wouldn't be on the show. My sources for the story are my favorite YouTuber, Kendall Ray. She's fabulous. Check her out. And chillingcrimes.com. Chillingcrimes.com. That sounds like a uh, a porn site for crime junkies. Chilling crimes. Oh, I'm like, com. wait, what? Yeah, I don't <laughs> like mean crime like crime porn. No, no, no. I don't mean uh, like yeah, I gotcha. crime porn. I mean like it's like yes. You guys get off on that stuff. I see what you yes? mean. Well, okay. <laughs> you get a- very excited when you type that in and All start right, reading. Yes. That's what I mean. Yes, very excited. Yes. All right. All right. From a young age, Paige knew she wanted to be a mom more than anything. She grew up in Denver, Colorado, and she did just that. She adored her family, and everyone said she always put them first. So I told you from a young age, she wanted to be a mom. She graduates high school. She has everything going for her. She's going to the University of Florida in Gainesville to study nursing. She married her high school sweetheart. Mm. His name was Ron Beegler. And they moved back to Colorado from Florida to start a family. Mm -hmm. Good choice. Right? I think it's a good choice. It seems like her life is right on track, right? It does, yeah. Like I said earlier, that's all she ever wanted. She just wanted a family, right? Yeah. Well, Ron, however, was just not ready to be a father. Hmm. He wasn't sure that was something that he could handle at this time. And as I'm sure you can guess, that would obviously cause quite a bit of problems in the marriage. Yeah. I mean, if I said I wanted kids and you said you didn't, it might not be a good fit. 
obviously. No, yeah. So the marriage lasted only about two years. Shouldn't they have talked about this before marriage? I would think, but I wonder if since they were high school sweethearts, I wonder if he just kind of went on with things. And when it came time when she's like, okay, we're married, let's have kids. And he's like, ooh, I don't know about that. Kind of hit him. Mm, like yeah. the reality hit him like right then. Maybe he thought if I keep trying, I'll be ready. And then he just wasn't. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I mean, that's all I can assume. I didn't read any of that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So Paige decided this was something that she was not willing to compromise on. And so the couple decided to divorce amicably. Now we've got a newly single girl about town, right? Yeah, young Paige. Yes, young Paige. <laughs> well, this is when she meets Rob Dixon. Mm. Now, you would think that maybe they met at a club or maybe dancing. You know, it's kind of the cool. Maybe a nightclub. Way to meet each other. Maybe a nightclub. Yeah. And you would be totally right. Except... It was a strip club. Oh. And Paige was a dancer. Oh, I was going to say, Paige is like a hot girl name, generally speaking. Yeah. All right. Well, I didn't see that coming. I don't know if you did, but Paige seemed like such a sweet, young, innocent girl, and here she is being a stripper. Yeah, but when you, uh, you know, clip your wings or whatever. That's true. After being tied down to the same, you know, girl since high school. Or guy, rather. Sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking of my own life and what I did <laughs> after my divorce from high school girlfriend. I sat around for six months and then I found you. And then you found me. I was In not strip stripping. <laughs> no, you Just weren't. Just so we are. You know, I will say, though, I did read in one of my sources that she earned like $400,000 being a stripper. Yeah, I was just going to say there's a boatload of money in if that. If I had any coordination, maybe I should be doing that, but I don't ha- I'm not Oh, I'm sure there's a strip club out there for uncoordinated girls. Like that's probably mm. a fetish. Maybe that like dudes dorky. Yeah, they, like, they can't dance okay. and they just go up there and I don't know, the people right. can't see well, me right now. Well, maybe I've but. got a new career path. There you go. I like it. Well, anyway, Paige fell for Rob pretty fast. She knew his family came from wealth. But the most attractive thing to her was how much Rob and his family loved helping those in their community and they were always giving back. The best part, though, was that Rob really wanted kids. So in 1998, they moved to Grand Junction, Colorado. This is kind of like a smaller town. It's a like desert area, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was really weird for me when I looked it up because I, kind of, I don't know, I kind of assumed Colorado was like mountainy and snowy all the time. I didn't realize it was so deserty. No, I mean, the Rockies go right through there. But aside from that, I think it's like, you know, every other Western landscape, California, you know, the mountains of California are mountainy, but the rest is deserty. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Well, I just assumed it was all mountain peaks and crazy hiking. Just one big mountain. You know, I've never been there before. Well, we should go. We should. Let's do it. We will. Let's prove me wrong. (laughs) I want to check out that airport. So we're going. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. What episode was that? Two? Something like Three? that. Three? Something know. like that? It's a good one, yeah. That was a good one. We, we should have figured out what the episode that was so we could yeah, see I don't know. Yeah. Whatever, anyway. Whatever. Now, I don't know where I was because now I'm thinking about Denver, Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, and, sorry. Yeah, anyway. All right. So, yes, here I am. So they found this, like, totally gorgeous house in this tiny town, right? So, as we know... Usually in teeny tiny towns, houses are maybe a little bit bigger for a little bit less, right? Yeah. Usually. Yes. So they find this house. The mortgage was like $6,000 a month. So I think you could probably 
understand how enormous this house probably was and how nice it probably was inside, right? So as soon as they get this house, they start popping out babies as fast as possible. Fast forward three years to 2001, and they've already got three children. So three kids in three years, that's really fast. Jesus. Paige is the happiest she's ever been. She's constantly with her family, and she would not have it any other way. Their lives seem pretty perfect right now. They're living their dream. Even though Rob is a successful businessman, he was also super reckless with money. They had this amazing house, but the mortgage, like I said, was absolutely insane. Rob had all kinds of sports cars, a Lamborghini, but he also made some poor investment choices and he literally lost all of their money. He like invested millions of dollars into this thing and it tanked and all their money is completely gone. Hmm. I'm kind of confused about the mortgage. I was just looking at the map. Mm-hmm. Wondering if it's like, because I don't know anything about Colorado either. Wondering if it's like in um, close proximity to Denver. It's like a suburb. No, it's not. It's in the middle of nowhere. It is. It's absolutely in the it's middle of nowhere. It's next to the Utah border. Like, right. Where would people even go to work from there? I don't know. It's yeah. confusing. Anyway. Yeah. So, right. We've lost all our money. Okay. Yeah, like we do. Like everyone does usually, yeah. right? <laughs> in debt up to their eyeballs. Yes. Well, they're obviously struggling to pay struggling to pay the bills after living such a lavish lifestyle. And it became a sour spot in their marriage, as I'm sure it would in anybody's marriage. And of course, Paige and Rob are no exception. Yeah. Better I mean, start I think I'd again. probably be pretty ticked off at you if you lost all of our money. But I make all the money. Well, so did he, but then he lost it. All. I wouldn't say he lost it. He has Lamborghinis and... Not anymore. They can't pay for them anymore. Okay. Right. I guess. In 2004, Paige ends up calling the police because she and Rob had an argument over their children. And he told her, based on her story, that she would come home from work to find them all murdered. Ooh. I mean, that seems like a pretty serious fight. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A little crazy. Well, when the police show up, they both calmly tell them that they've reconciled and everything's fine now. Oh, of course. So yes. the police leave without filing any charges. Mm-hmm. Just one year later, though, the police were called again. This time because Paige said that Rob had hit her while she was holding their baby. Rob was arrested, took a plea, and was charged with domestic violence, misdemeanor child abuse, and third degree assault. And was ordered to take anger management classes. Mm. Eventually, Rob had to file for bankruptcy and his reputation in the community just like completely tanked. So remember I told you that his family yeah. liked to give back to their community. Mm-hmm. So one of the things they liked to do was to get like equipment and things that first responders needed. Yeah. Well, because he had to file for bankruptcy, they started repossessing all of the things <laughs> that he donated. Yeah. Oh, boy. So the community is seeing all their nice equipment from their first responders getting taken away in his name. Yeah. And so. Fuck you, Rob. Yeah, his reputation kind of uh, goes down the toilet. Yeah, big time. The couple divorces in 2006. Rob moves to Philadelphia. That's in Pennsylvania, for those of you that are not in the United States. And he does this for work. He finds another job there. Everyone assumed that their marriage had dissolved because of Rob's short temper. But Rob tells a different story entirely. You see, Rob claims that he discovered that his wife had been running an adult entertainment business in secret. <laughs> Paige claims that she did what she had to do to keep money for her family since Rob had lost it all. Once a stripper, always a stripper. 
I mean, if it made you so much money before, I don't see why you wouldn't go back, right? There's no shame in that game. No, Make it's that awesome. Money. Yeah. Make that money, girl. Plus, after three kids, if she's still able to strip, geez. Hey, right? <laughs> Rob should be like, all more right. Po- more power to you, lady. Yeah. <laughs> so now Paige is a single mom of three. Rob's not helping her with the kids at all. And Paige has to find some way to make ends meet for her family again. This time, she actually opens a business for dance classes for kids. Teach kids them, this time. Teach them how to be strippers. <laughs> teach them how to strip. Can yeah. never start too young. I don't think that's what it was. <laughs> it seemed to be the perfect fit for her, but it wasn't quite enough to pay all the bills. So she began working for the Pampered Chef. Mm. For our listeners who are not familiar with the Pampered Chef, it is an MLM, which we've talked about before. Yes. It stands for multi-level marketing. Yes. Which essentially is like a legal pyramid scheme. And yeah. it sells kitchen supplies. Okay, so that's the Pampered Chef. Yeah, but if she threw a Pampered Chef party in just the apron or the something apron and added a little strip with it, I would buy those pans and <laughs> gadgets. But, okay. Just saying. She usually, could, synergy. I've been to many a Pampered Chef party, and it's usually women. But she party. could try something new here. That's true. Because usually the husbands are getting... Anyway, we're going down all a right, tangent yeah, this here. Is not the right. husbands mm-hmm. get all mad about the money you spend, but if the pampered chef was a pampered stripper, <laughs> I mean, you buy that that gadget. You buy that juicer. Okay. I'm, I'm into it. All right. <laughs> anyway. Okay. <laughs> well, if you don't know, these types of businesses cater to people like Paige who need to have their own schedule. Yeah. They need to be able to stay home. They can, you know, work as hard or not hard as they want. It kind of. It's, I, I'm using air quotes here, but it's like owning your own business. Exactly. Yes. Well, this worked great for Paige. She held dinner parties where she would sell the kitchen products and not strip. <laughs> <laughs> and did great because she was so likable. And she became one of their top salespeople. Not only did she do the dancing and the pampered chef parties, but she also sold slings for nursing mothers. So she's got her. Her. Uh, she was poker sling- in the fire. Several she was fires. slinging slings. Know. Yeah. She's got a lot of irons in the fire. Not Thank a, you. Not a poker. Not a poker. Yeah. Irons. Get your mind out of the gutter. What? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Things were going well. She got, actually, she got a free trip to the Caribbean Ooh. for selling so many Pampered Chef products. Mm-hmm. But if you've been listening to us for any amount of time, you know that stories we tell don't usually have great endings. But wait, there's more. Oh, that comes later. Oh, okay. Yes. Sorry. All right. Well, like I said, not so much happy endings. This is absolutely the case for Paige. Yeah. On Friday, June 22nd, 2007, Paige is at a friend's house who's having a pool party. And she starts telling her friends that she's a little afraid for her safety. Not only that, but she was also sharing it on a very public forum that she shared with other Pampered Chef consultants. So sometimes when you're in... Now they do it on social media, but I guess back then they had like a forum. Yeah, like a chat room. Yeah, that you can kind of bounce ideas off of each other and, Mm -hmm. oh, this worked really well for me at this party, whatever. Well, on this forum, she's telling them that she's worried that her ex-husband, Rob, might actually hurt her or even kill her. Oh. Four days later, on June 26th, Paige meets up with a mother's club group from her town. All her friends notice that something's just off with her. Like I said, she has like a really great personality. She's usually so bubbly and cheerful, but not tonight. On Thursday, the 28th, Paige talks to her friend, Andrea, who mentions that she seems 
to be a little bit better than she was at the get together and that she seemed really excited because she was going to be meeting up with her first husband, Ron. Oh. Yeah. So she's like super excited about it. She kind of felt like maybe she was still in love with him. Her first husband was Ron. Second one was Rob. Rob. How many times do you think she screws that up? Oh, gosh. That'd be weird. Yeah. All right. That's too close for comfort. Well, they actually had begun talking again, and she was thinking that maybe they would be able to work things out. They met in Eagle, Colorado, which was actually about two hours from Paige's home. It was kind of like in between both of them where they work. He's still in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a nice talk and a lovely picnic, and then they just went their separate ways. Paige had promised to call Ron when she got home, but he never heard from her. The next morning, a worried Ron starts to try to call Paige to make sure that everything's okay, but everything he does... I'm sorry, every time, not everything, excuse me. Every time he does, the phone just goes straight to voicemail, which tells you what it's Turned off, off, yeah. Right? So Saturday, he still hadn't heard from her. Remember, she goes missing on Thursday. He decides to call the house phone, and Paige's eight-year-old answers the phone saying that she never came home that night. Hmm. Yeah. So Ron immediately calls the police and Paige's family. So again, hasn't seen her since Thursday. It's now Saturday. Good job for calling the police right away. How many stories have we done where they sit on it for a couple of days? I know, right? Way to go, Ron. Right. Well, Peelis. 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 There's one per episode. There it is. No, I just had two. The Peelis. Already in like the last minute. <laughs> All right. Police. Police. <laughs> Begin to question everyone. And this is when the bombshell hits her family. So remember I told you that Paige was a stripper at one point? Mm-hmm. We talked about this. Yes, we have. Well, her family had assumed that she was no longer doing that. But what they did not know was that not only was she still involved in sex work, she was extremely successful. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Hold it. Dancing naked is not sex work, okay? okay but now she's doing sex work. Okay, but you said she's still involved in sex work. That's, I want to clear the air I'm here for all sure the exotic would... dancers out there. It is dancing. It is art. It is not <laughs> sex work. Okay. No sex in the champagne room. Everybody knows that. Uh, but I think everybody also knows that that's not true. Then that one dancer is a sex worker, but a stripper, <laughs> all right, okay. how dare you, Fine. is a dancer. Okay. All right. Well, she's in sex work now. Okay. Thank you. I'm sticking Paige? up for all the ladies out there, all the Fine. single moms. I appreciate that. What, they, they're all single moms? Probably some single dads, too. I mean, guys strip, too. Yeah, but what if it's just a happily married woman who just likes to dance? Then they're a dancer, not a sex worker. So you're illustrating okay. my point. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Paige had been an escort and called herself Carrie. Her services included stripping, dancing, and role play. Or you could pay extra for a topless massage. Ooh. Yeah. She would either come to the client's house or use a business office that she had rented out by telling the landlord that she was doing acupuncture. <laughs> I guess there kind of was some sticking going on. Oh, nice. Not that kind. Please. Can I? No. Oh, come on. No. Ron told police that after meeting up with him, she said she had to go meet some of her clients. So police start looking through her phone records and talking to her most recent clients. They also heard from her friends who mentioned how scared she was of her ex-husband, Rob. Mm. You said our stories don't have happy endings. There sounds like a lot of happy endings going on here. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) They contact Rob and find out that not only was he still living in Pennsylvania, he had no idea that anything had happened to Paige. He immediately flew out right away 
and was cleared as a suspect because he was not in the state at the time that Paige went missing. Mm. After clearing Rob and Ron, investigators had to explore the angle that maybe Paige just couldn't live this lifestyle anymore and decided to leave. But everyone knew that there was no way she would ever leave her children. After clearing Rob and Ron, investigators had to explore the angle that maybe Paige just couldn't live this lifestyle anymore and decided to leave. But everyone knew that there was no way she would ever leave her children. They were her world. There was also no sign that she packed anything or that she was leaving in any way. So that was a dead end as well. Mm -hmm. On July 1st, around 9 p.m., someone called the police station saying that there was a car on fire in the parking lot but that no one was around. Police get to the scene and find the car completely burned and demolished. They identify it as belonging to Paige, and now they know that something bad has happened to her. Upon investigating the car further, they found that the driver's seat had been pushed back really far. Now, if anyone knows about this, it's you and I. Yes. Right? Yeah. We're such different heights that there's absolutely no way I would ever be able to drive with the seat in the position that you have to have it in. Yeah. Right? No way. So this just signaled to police that someone else must have been driving the car. Yeah. Also, the fire had started in the passenger side of the vehicle. Even though they have the car, they still don't have Paige. Hmm. On July 14th, a huge search effort of more than 150 volunteers goes out to search for Paige. Remember I told you she was really loved in her community. Yeah. A lot of people were involved with her as friends and she had groups that she was in and yeah. she was just like a very popular person. She's so. the uh, local pampered chef dealer. Right. Everybody loves them. Exactly. Well, at this point, they're pretty sure that they're not going to be finding her alive though. Yeah. So at this, they're just kind of looking for a body. They did not find Paige, but they did find some items that belonged to Paige. A checkbook, a blockbuster card, and some of her credit cards were found about 15 miles away from where her burned car was discovered. But the weird part was that they were found in the complete opposite direction of where she should have been that day. She had no reason at all to be in this area. So a few weeks now go by with no leads, and investigators decide to bring their canine units out to the car to see if they can find anything. The dogs end up leading police to an RV store that was across the street from where the car was burned. Inside, there's a man working named Lester Jones. Now, this name starts to sound really familiar to the police, so they go back and kind of look at their records. And his name had actually been mentioned during their talks with Paige's friends as someone that she had known. He wanted to be one of her clients, but Paige found him scary and disgusting, that's quotes, <laughs> and wanted nothing to do with him. As any good detectives would, after hearing this information, they began to look into Lester. Lester was previously charged with violence against his ex-wife and served years in prison. So basically he, from what I hear from my sources, he had chased his wife up a hill so violently that she like almost ran over it in her car, like a cliff, I guess. Mm. And he shot at like one of her friends. Wow. Hit him in the hat, didn't kill him, but you're shooting at people. That's yeah. not right, right. Yeah. So I guess he was like super violent. I don't know. They searched his house and workplace and found some interesting pieces of evidence, but they couldn't really press charges yet because her body had still not been found and they just didn't have enough at this point. They start looking through Paige's phone records and discover that one of the last conversations Paige had was with someone that had a burner phone. Police had found footage earlier in their investigation of Lester where he had recently purchased a phone from Walmart. 
So they have like surveillance footage, basically. Yeah. They confiscated his phone and found out that the only calls made from that phone were to Paige. So now they have their main suspect and some pretty damning evidence, but they still cannot find the body. Hmm. So they can't press charges yet. Did he eat her? I don't know. I don't think so. Hmm. All right. Finally, in 2012, five years later, a hiker comes across a body off of Highway 51 and alerts law enforcement. Through dental records, they're able to identify the body as Paige Bergfeld. Hmm. After an examination of the body, they believe that Paige was beaten to death after being tied up with duct tape. Her jawbone was severely fractured and they found remnants of duct tape on her skull. So now that they have a body, they can finally begin taking a much closer look at Lester. They commandeer both his cars and begin searching them for any signs that Paige was in either of them, but they come up shorthanded. Defeated, they call up Lester and let him know he can come and pick up his cars. It seems like all hope is lost at this point. But wait. There's more. There's more. As police are on the line with Lester, he seems really out of it and he starts saying, quote, you asked me where I buried the body. The sheriff is, of course, confused, mentions that he doesn't remember asking him that. But Lester just repeats, you asked me where I buried the body. It's creepy, right? Yeah. Really creepy. Yeah. Actually heard the tape. Ooh. Really weird. Yeah. I wish I could post it on Instagram. Why can't you? Because you can't po- Can you post videos on there now? Yeah. Okay. What do you mean now? <laughs> that's been like three years ago. You could do really? that. Really? I'm yeah. sorry. I just post <laughs> pictures. So. Hey, that's cool, man. All right. Well, this was enough for police. And in November of 2014, they show up to arrest Lester, who seems completely expectant and doesn't even ask what the warrant was for. July of 2016, Lester finally goes on trial for Paige's murder, but the jury did not feel there was enough evidence, and so it was a mistrial. Hmm. But finally, in December of 2016, another trial takes place, and the jury finds Lester Jones guilty of first-degree murder and secondary kidnapping. He is sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So Paige and her family get a little bit of justice. It's not the same, but... Yeah, I guess. At but at least they found someone. Yeah, and I'd want to someone's know. paying little, for the crime. Little closure action. Yeah. So that's Paige's story. Poor Paige. Yeah. That's sad. It is sad. She just wanted to be a mommy. She seemed like a good lady. She did. She was smart. Yeah. All right. I'm going to tell you about, like I said, ripped from the headlines. Like literally, this case just sort of ended for the time being. Two days ago, as we record this. Okay. August 11th, 2021. We're going to talk about Matthew Taylor Coleman. My sources are Facebook, believe it or not, <laughs> Boston.com, Wikipedia, NBCSanDiego.com. Now, it's on every news outlet, so that's why there's like Boston.com picked it up. You're probably wondering, Boston.com, why that? Just every news magazine or media outlet has picked this up. It's a pretty big current story. Okay. Okay. So if you would have done a quick Google search for Matthew Taylor Coleman – or I'm willing to bet it was just Matthew Coleman before he was arrested for murder because, (laughs) you know, the murderers only have three names. Right. You would have likely found links to his surfing school in San San Bernardino. Santa Barbara. That's what people call it. Oh, it's not San Bernardino. No, not that at all, yeah. (laughs) His surfing school in Santa Barbara, California, 
or maybe even a link to his public, very normal-looking Facebook page. You know, the normal stuff, pictures of family, inspirational posts, food, all the normal Facebook-y things. Right. So I want you to, real quick, while I'm talking, go onto Facebook and search for that name. I'm sorry, what was it again? Matthew Matthew Taylor Taylor Coleman. Coleman. Common spelling on all three. Okay. I'll pause a little bit while you do that, because I want you to look at this while I'm talking about this guy. Okay. His Facebook page is still active. All I typed in was Matthew T, and it was the first. Yeah, so his page is still Aww. active, or at least it was earlier. Oh, that's not what I, I'm not awing at the right thing. And he's got posts in there from 2020, like of, uh, you know, just normal stuff. So I'm not seeing his personal page. I'm seeing like a crud ton of like articles, basically. Did you go to Facebook and search? Yeah. I mean, I'm incompetent, but not that incompetent. Yeah, I'm seeing that too. Oh, maybe if you go to people on the tab. Oh. Yeah, go to people. Okay. The first one, yeah. So his page is still active. And what's really really crazy is, so the first post on there is from November 23rd, 2020, but it now has 444 likes and 41 comments. And if you read some of the comments, they're like tearing this guy apart. And you're going to find out why in a minute. But. You scroll down a little more, and on May 17th, 2020, we have a little gender, gender reveal party for uh, his daughter or something going on there. Right. Like I said, normal stuff. You see, Matthew seemed to live a very regular 40-year-old li- 40-year-old life on the surface. Facebook posts show him celebrating the gender reveal of his soon-to-be-born daughter. Mm-hmm. Advertisements for his surfing school called Love Water, which appeared to be successful. So what would lead this father and husband to take his kids to Rosarito, Mexico, and brutally murder them with a spearfishing gun? Oh, no. Well, I'm going to tell you as my story goes on here, but I want to give the trigger warning because this has to do yeah, with a 10-month-old. Uh, please do. 10-month-old. Can I go? Do I yeah. have to listen? A 10-month-old and a 2-year-old <sighs> that he killed. So we're going to get into some of the details about that. But, you know, if that kind of stuff bothers you or if that you have a history of something like that happening to you first of all i'm very sorry and second of all might want to skip this episode unfortunately (laughs) so hopefully you haven't all right first do you know what a spear fishing gun looks like or is i think so okay it kind of looks like a gun with like an arrow on the top of it right yeah that shoots out with like Like a a string attached yes okay yeah it's basically like a a handheld harpoon and it's designed to shoot fast enough to go through the water and impale the fish. Okay. It's kind of an old school way of fishing, but some divers still do it. Um, but I mean, just picturing that in your head, you know, I've, I've wanted to kill my kids many times. I'm using air quotes. (laughs) Air quotes, everybody. Totally joking. They can't see your air quotes. I'm not trying to make light of this situation, but I can't imagine shooting anyone with a spear fishing gun. That's like brutal. Like they, they're very powerful. I don't want to shoot anybody with anything. Maybe like a marshmallow gun. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Or like one of those rubber band I'm things. I'm just saying, even if I'm a bad guy, yeah, that's a spear a bit fishing much. guns, like they're powerful. They that's have to, a bit much. They have to be able to traverse the water to get to the fish. Like they right. have a lot of power. Yeah. So it's going to like really hurt somebody. Let's take a look at a little timeline of the events for this and uh, try to determine what the heck happened with this guy. Okay. After you've seen his Facebook, he looks normal, right? Totally normal. All right, August 7th. I'm talking like a week ago. Not like Thanks. 1998 or anything. Matthew Coleman leaves his Santa Barbara home with his two children, his son, two years old, and his daughter, 10 months old. 
according to a criminal complaint unsealed Wednesday of last week. Coleman unexplainably left the home with the kids. Coleman's wife, identified in the complaint only as A.C., don't know what her first name is. Abby. You do know that? It says it in Facebook. Oh, all right. Well, Abby. Well, we're just going to call her A.C. because that's what my sources said. She called Santa Barbara police after she was unable to get a hold of him. She told the police that their family had planned to take a camping trip. Instead, Matthew took off in their van with the kids and did not tell her where he was going. He then wouldn't answer numerous phone calls and text messages. Boy, does that sound familiar. (laughs) I don't have a cricket sound effect, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you. Me? You haven't necessarily bailed with the kids and left for Mexico, but you're probably the worst at answering the phone and messages in a timely fashion. I'm not the worst. I was about to call the police the other night. Anyway, this is a grievance for our other show, but (laughs) this sounds very familiar. I've almost called the police a few times in our history. I am busy. So while she was a little worried, AC didn't believe her children were in any danger just yet. She trusted that her husband wouldn't harm them like you would. You know, you trust your husband and the father to not kill your kids. Exactly. And thought he'd return home eventually. Again, this is all according to the complaint. You're going to hear me say that a lot. And uh, no official missing persons report was filed just yet. 8 p.m. on the same day, Coleman checks into the Hotel City Express in Rosarito, Mexico with two small children. For our international audience and those not familiar with the area, Santa Barbara to Rosarito, that's 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 pretty, a really long drive. Yeah, that's uh, not close. Do we know? Here, I'm going to look it up while you continue. I don't know the exact uh, distance, but I mean, No, yeah, but I'm going to look All the up. way with traffic? I mean, come on. Just getting from where we used to live to San Diego took two hours. Right. You know? Coleman has no reservation at the hotel and asked to stay for only one night. Red flag there as well according to Mexican authorities and surveillance video that shows him arriving there. All right, next day, August 8th, Coleman and the two children are officially reported missing. At 7 p.m., you said her name's Abby? Yes. Abby called the police again, and this time an officer came to the Coleman home and took an official police report leading to the missing persons report. Okay, you ready? I am. So if you pay tolls, excuse me, The fastest route is four hours and 21 minutes. Without tolls, it's nine hours and 10 minutes. So I don't know what time he left in the morning. Right. And this is technically at what? 540-ish? On a Friday night, yeah. On the West Coast? Yeah, on a Friday night. On a Friday night? Yeah. So So anyway, I don't know what time he left, but with a 10-month-old and a two-year-old, I would hope there was some bathroom stops. I'm sure there were. But I guess if you're planning on killing them, who cares if they wet themselves? I don't know, but... (sighs) Um, yeah, that's a long drive. And so long time to not be answering any messages or phone calls. Again, according to the criminal complaint, Abby told the police that she and Coleman had not had any problems or arguments. Everything seemed fine before he left and that she was still unable to reach him by phone. This is eight o'clock. Or I'm sorry. This is the next day. August next 8th, day. Okay? Is this 8 p.m.? No, I'm sorry. This is 7 p.m. The, the next, next day. day. Okay. Yes. The officer suggested for her to use the Find My iPhone app to try to locate him, with which she agreed, and she saw that he was in Rosarito, Mexico. The app showed that his phone had been there at about 2.30 p.m. that day, August 8th, and that was the last known location of the phone and presumably him. Right. We we use this on each other all the time. All the time. When you're not answering, I use this to find out where the heck you are. Mm. Because the missing persons report... Uh, I'm sorry, because the missing persons were now believed to be in Mexico, the case was handed to the FBI. Okay. 
August 9th, the bodies of two children are found. Once the FBI had the case, they alerted authorities at the U.S.-Mexico border in San Diego County to be on the lookout for Coleman and the kids. 3 a.m. August 9th, Coleman is seen on surveillance video leaving the hotel with bags and the kids. 3 a.m. Okay. How does he get his kids to wake up so early? I, I don't... <laughs> 6.30 a.m., Coleman returns to the hotel alone. No kids? No kids. a.m., Mexican authorities receive a report that two lifeless children had been found at a ranch about 20 miles south of the hotel. The ranch owner had called police after a ranch hand discovered the bodies. He stated that his dog led them to the site of the bodies. Mexican authorities stated that the bodies were both covered in dozens of stab wounds. Oh. 9.30 a.m., Coleman checks out of the hotel and leaves. Alone, of course. Right. 1 p.m. This is all in the same day. Coleman attempts to cross back into the United States. Rosarito's not that far from the No, border. it's not. According to the complaint, Santa Barbara PD informs the FBI that the locator app that we talked about before has provided a new pinpoint for him, this time at the San Ysidro Port of Entry, which is a land border crossing south of San Diego. Right. Coleman obviously arrived at the border alone, like we said, which prompted an FBI agent to contact Mexican authorities to report the two U.S. citizen children missing. Meanwhile, U.S. Customs and Border Protection officers conducted a search of the van and found blood on the van's registration paperwork. (laughs) Okay. They alert the FBI. Mexican authorities tell the FBI that the two children that were found, um, tell the FBI of the two children that were found. And investigators believe their descriptions match those of Coleman's children. Coleman is taken into custody and put into an inspection room where he has read his Miranda rights by an FBI agent. Now, the Miranda rights say you don't have to say anything. Right. Right. Well, he agrees anyway to speak with authorities in a recorded interview. Oh. Despite the rights and no attorney present or whatever. During the interview, and again, this is according to the official criminal complaint, the FBI agent said that Coleman confessed to killing his children. Great. And he even gave them a reason. What? Are you ready for this? No, I'm not ready for it. He killed them because, and I quote here, his children were going to grow into monsters. Oh. I mean, aren't they all? <laughs> That's what kids do. I mean, I think eventually they get out of the monster Grow out of the stage. monster phase. But yeah, these kids are not quite there Ours yet. Ours are getting there. Pretty close. To the monster phase or yeah, out? no, to the monster phase. Yeah. Well, Coleman goes on to describe using um, the fishing spear to puncture his two children repeatedly and even gave the location of the bodies, all of which coincided with the evidence found at the scene that I spoke about earlier on the ranch. Right. Coleman even told the authorities where the weapon was located. So he's very forthcoming here. No, not trying to hide anything. Mm -hmm. He continued to talk and eventually referenced, are you ready for this? Our listeners may remember... QAnon and the Illuminati conspiracy theories oh, Lordy. and his motive for the killing. Okay. This is where it gets into my lane a little bit. Okay. He said that he was receiving visions that his wife possessed serpent DNA and had passed it on to his children. <laughs> when asked okay. if he knew what he did was wrong, Coleman admitted, yeah, I know it was wrong. However, it was the only course of action to save the world. Wow. So I I laughed, but not because it's funny. Yeah. Because there's clearly a problem. Well, like I said in the intro, mental illness here, obviously. <laughs> but Yes. 
Yikes. Oh, I thought you were going to describe or explain why you laughed. I just did. Oh, because there's a problem. It's uncomfortable laugh. Yeah, it's like an incredulous laugh. Yeah. Not a laugh because this is hilarious. Right. Because it's not at all. Well, needless to say, after all of that, Coleman is arrested. Thank God. Let's move on to August 10th. Coleman is booked into jail in Santa Ana, California, hmm. where he was officially charged with foreign murder of U.S. nationals. That's the charge when, you, uh, when U.S. citizens are murdered in a foreign country. Okay. Okay. Later that day, Mexican authorities recover the murder weapon, trigger warning, mm. bloodied clothes, and a baby blanket. Oh, Terrible, baby. right? Who does this? This fucking guy. Oh, he and Chris Watts can go straight to hell. Yeah. August 11th, just two days ago as we record this, like I mentioned, Coleman appears in federal court and was ordered detained. He is scheduled to be arraigned and charged on 831. I'm sorry, on, on his charges on August 31st, if he makes it that long. Because once fellow prisoners find out what yeah, this exactly. dude did, he'll likely deservedly get shivved on the way to dinner or the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. So... I'm just going to talk real quickly about this, and maybe I'll do a whole other show someday about this particular thing. That's okay. my story about him. Obviously, it just ended, so he, we'll find out right. more August 31st, and maybe we'll update do you. Do an update, sure. He's obviously, I mean, he confessed everything. They found the body. They have the weapon. He's, you know, he's done. Ridiculous. <laughs> he's done for. So, I think I mentioned this earlier episodes as well about lizard people. You remember yes, lizard you people? Yes, you did. Wasn't it in the airport? Yeah. Well, I just want to refresh everyone's. <laughs> memory real quick but lizard people or reptilians also called reptoids okay or just lizard people reptiloids saurians or draconians are supposed reptilian humanoids which play a prominent role in fantasy science fiction ufoology and conspiracy theories like i said right the idea of reptilians was popularized by a guy named david icky i think sure. i-c-k-e I don't know. Is that would that be Icky or Ike? Ike? Ike yeah. Anyway, he's a conspiracy theorist who claims shape shifting reptilian aliens control Earth by taking on human form and gaining political power to manipulate human societies. Ike, Icky, Ick, Ike has stated on multiple occasions that many world leaders are or are possessed by so called reptilians. Hmm. So this guy believes, and like I said, I don't want to do too much here because I could go on for hours. That, like, Barack Obama's a reptoid, George W. Bush, all these people. Well, QAnon, which we know became very popular and kind of a household name during the past couple of years with Trump right. and everything else, also believe this. This guy was a follower and believer of all this stuff. He felt that his kids were reptoids and were going to take over the world, so he killed them. There can't be, like, a, a Eugene Levy thing where you, like, throw the water on the mermaid. Isn't there like some sort of reveal of I don't the think reptoid? I, know that. I don't know. Splash. Oh, Eugene Levy was in that? Yeah. He I was the was crazy scientist. I don't know. He throws the water on her and everybody sees she's a mermaid and then oh, they yeah, put yeah, in the yeah. tanks and they. Yes, I remember that. That's so long ago. Why do you even know that movie? You're too young for that. <sighs> I've seen it a okay. good trillion times. Well, anyway, anyway th that's my story. This, this a hole is yeah, in jail sure. and hopefully going to be killed. I encourage everyone to go look at his Facebook. If you want to spam the comments and say how bad he is, have at it. But he looks like a normal. Don't, actually, don't look at the comments. Because well, he now looks I've like got a this, normal dude, right? Right. And I see, I saw the kids and I have this image in my head and now I'm sad. So don't go look at the comments. Don't do it. What an asshat. Anyway. Don't. 
The yeah. message is, is if you're feeling mentally ill, if you're believing in some of these really wacky conspiracy theories, and I know that I come across as a little bit of a, a theorist on this show especially, mm-hmm. and I'm skeptical, but I'm not I'm not a nutbag. This guy's nuts. The people that believe in that crap, they're nuts. If you know anyone like that or you're like that yourself, go get checked out before you shoot your kids with a spear. Okay. Well, that was an awful story. Trigger warning. I told you. I Multiple trigger warnings. Awful. I'm sorry, everyone. Now I'm sad. If you haven't heard about this, it's in the news and check it out. Yuck. Yeah. All right. Well, if you would like to see any more pictures or information on these cases, please make sure to follow us on social media at How Did We Miss That? And until next week, keep your head up and look out for each other.